And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 387 of This Old Marketing for Friday, August 4th, 2023. And with me, as always, as he always is, is my pal, my colleague, my good, good friend, and big winner this week. He's sold as many companies as Trump has indictments, Mr. Joe Polizzi. (laughs) How are you? Thank you for mentioning my name with the Donald. I always appreciate it. When I wrote that joke this week, I was like, that that was was perfect. It was just (sighs) the... He sold as many companies as Trump has indictments. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I guess a little bit of a pattern. But thank you, yeah, thank you for you the go. the kudos. Very exciting week for the Tilton and Creator Economy Expo team, and and excited yeah. to be working with with Lulu. Well, for those yeah. who haven't who 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 don't follow you on social media or don't know, what's the tell us the big news? Yes, so uh, Lulu, who's the leader in self publishing of books has acquired the Tilt uh, website, newsletter, our educational activities, and our event, Creator Economy Expo, uh, which uh, which will be in May of 2024. I was hedging a little bit. I didn't know when it was going to be, but we've made the decision. We're definitely going to do it in May of, of 24 in Cleveland, Ohio, just finalizing those, those last T's and dots on the I's to make sure that we've got the paperwork in and we can say exactly where it's going to be. But yeah, really excited about it. I've been been working on this with the team for many, many months to get this done. And Lulu was the perfect partner to make this happen. They already believe the same things we believe. They're they're all about, you know, how do we help the content entrepreneur become successful, become more profitable, educate them and not have them beholden to, as what we talk about on this show, rented land. Sure. Uh, yeah. So Lulu is all about, you know, sell directly, keep your customer data, don't give everything to Amazon. And of course, we talk about the same thing, like absolutely use Facebook and threads and Twitter X or whatever it's called these days, use those tools, but make sure that you have that first party data, those subscriber channels working for you. So if something happens to those companies, you know, you're not going to get hurt. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's, we have that going and, and yeah, and, and that's the deal. And it was effective August 1st and letting everybody know. And, and um, the great part is they, they just want to invest and support what we're doing with the tilt already. So no changes, no major changes. And then CEX is going to run as it has been. And I'll continue to do, you know, programming and, and hosting, of course, for CEX. And then the big thing, the big change, and you and I talked about this a little bit, um, we're working on some kind of a publishing services model that might be called an imprint, something around tilt publishing, uh, specifically to help content creators uh, publish their books. Yeah, And I've been surprised at the amount of demand out there from our audience that actually wants to get a book out. So our, our task here is it's almost like, um, 
everybody needs to get their book out. And I really, really believe that as, as part of the, you know, build your platform, focus on speaking and getting the word out about your expertise area and then publishing that book. And so we're going to try to help as many content entrepreneurs get their book published. And I don't know what those services are yet, but in the next 30 or 60 days, we'll have something yeah, launched and we'll start a beta test and <clears throat> get so we can't do your book because your book is already being published. <laughs> yes, that's correct. But, that's correct. Yeah, but it, it'll be fun. So thank you for, for bringing that up. Yeah, yeah, thank you for that. So of we'll course, see. absolutely. I, you know, here, here's what I love about it. I, Lulu is such a cool company. You know, I think of them a little bit like the 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 WordPress for the printed book, right? You know, sort of. It's a software company. Helps you with distribution. Helps you leverage your your content in a way for print. You know, and, and for printed books especially that you know just leverages you. It's a great tool, but to your point, has all of the the owned media, you know, the owned audience idea behind it, like a WordPress would. And then it sounds like to me, this whole publishing services idea would be like a WordPress VIP, right? Where you're just helping those, you know, those content yeah. creators sort of through that process, right? You know, really helping them take a premium sort of concierge type approach to it. Well, it, yeah, that's, that's actually pretty good way to look at it. And it's yeah. funny because I've been learning a lot about the hybrid publishing model lately is what, whatever this is going to be. But really, you have self-publishing and you have yeah. traditional publishing. You right. and I have done both of these models. Yep. With with traditional publishing, you know, they basically take care of everything. But the author, you, you don't get a couple things. You don't get a good percentage of the revenue. You get some right. up front. Yep. But you don't, ongoing, you've got a percentage of revenue. And you and I have no idea who's bought. <laughs> like, for example, look at Killing Marketing. We don't have any idea who's ever purchased that book. We don't get right. any of that that's data. Right. So that's, you know, that's a big downside of it. Now, self-publishing, you get all that information if you set it up correctly. Uh, but you've got to do all these things yourself. But sometimes yeah. you, you need to have a project manager and help you get the cover done and sure. help you do the layout get and the help ISBN you do developmental and, editing. Yeah, and, all, yeah, that, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. so we, we will see where that lands. But, you know, exciting new avenue for me. And it helps nice. me because I'm... <laughs> trying to publish more books and write more books myself. So while I'm learning about books, I'll be writing more as well. Yes. Well, and let's so. be honest, it also helps you on the home front too. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so for people that have been asking like what's next, yeah. the answer is uh, <laughs> if you ever hear me talking about a new business concept, first of all, don't tell my wife. <laughs> this conversation never happened, but the, yes. the goal is really to never like have people working for me anymore. I w I want to continue to be active. I want to continue to write. I want to continue to do all sorts of exciting new projects, yeah. but we don't want to have a payroll. No, we, it's we time just... to be a single contributor in life. Yes. Yeah. And when I say we, yes. <laughs> I mean my wife, right, exactly. <laughs> so please, yeah. for the love right. of God, would you That's stop right. doing yes. this kind of stuff? I... So this, this works out great. That's she's, awesome. She is very, she was very excited about this deal. Yeah. I yeah. got to tell you. I can imagine. I can imagine. So if you're going to send congratulations, don't send them to me. Yeah. Send them to Pam. Send them to Say, Pam. Congratulations, you Pam. You know, you, you done good. Yes. Everyone else can keep me in line. That is exactly. That but is the exactly more important right. news this week is that <laughs> you went to a concert last night. I did. And we want to hear about it. Yeah. Well, if you can hear a little bit of rasp in my voice this morning as we record this, it is because, yes, I spent last night hooting and hollering and yelling and dancing and just enjoying my. So, 
I don't know if I've ever said this before on the show or not, but my favorite band in the entire world was Tears for Fears. And this was the last of their tour. It was at the Hollywood Bowl last night. My beautiful wife got me tickets for my birthday. Wow. Fantastic tickets. I mean, so for any of you who have ever been to the Hollywood Bowl, you'll you'll recognize this right away. There's a whole just, you know, there's the front row, which they clear out and is typical front row of a of a you know of a of an auditorium where you've got uh standing room only and people stand and i always don't like that i, I don't first of all i don't like standing for an hour and a half but you know but but other than that i i, I don't i want to be able to sit and watch and see and basically have great and she there's an area behind that that they call the garden and the garden are these little boxes uh, the you know they're very nice. You know there's little chairs in there, and you have your own little box. And you and if there are four of you, you get it to yourself. But if you're two of you, you share. You typically share it with two other people. And it's got a little stand where you can put your picnic, and you've got a little wine holder where you can put your bottle of wine. So you can you know it's very civilized. Um, so that you can have this bottle of wine, drink wine, and watch Tears for Fears. And it was just. It was an amazing set. It was an amazing set. They played Bad Man Song, which, of course, is my very favorite Tears for Fear song of all time. But they, of course, played all the hits. They played Shout. They played uh, uh, Everybody Wants to Rule the World. They played Change. They played, I mean, just all of it. They played Wait, they a had, lot of they've had more them. hits. It's surprising how many hits they've had. It, it, it really is. I mean, especially from 82 till about 80, well, early 90s, you know, because Seeds of Love, of course, was a huge, uh, huge album in the in the early 90s. And then they kind of stopped. And then, of course, they broke up for, for a number of years. Um, and then they came out with their new album, uh, which was 17 years in the making, I think, um, in 2022. And they played a lot of material from that. And it's good. It's not it's not my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, uh, but it was, you know, it was wonder. It was just a wonderful, wonderful show. So it was just, it was a fantastic experience. Yeah. I, I didn't know you were a Tears for Fears guy. I don't know how I missed oh this. My God. But, well, I'm an eighties music well, fanatic, yeah, that's true. right? But Tears for Fears of, uh, in there. Is, and they're still, I would imagine they're in their oh. early sixties. Yeah, and the right? voices are, the voices are pristine. I mean, especially Roland. I mean, Roland is, is, uh, you know, he's the big voice, you know, Kurt is the smaller sort of, uh, more art, art Garfunkel kind of voice, very soft, beautiful, melodic voice. And then Roland of course is the big voice when you hear, you know, shout, shout, you know, that's Roland. Um, and his voice is just absolutely spectacular. It's just, I mean, it's, it's like, it's like they never stopped. For those younger people in our audience, Art Garfunkel used to play with Paul <laughs> Simon and used to be part of a group called Simon and Garfunkel. That's right. Yes. And uh, a lot of we have to do these things because I realize it's a public that we, service we do, announcement, really. We yes. do have I mean, I would say most of our audience is around our generation, but we do have yeah. some millennials and, and, and welcome Zoomers to, to yes. this wonderful podcast. That's right. They don't have a clue who Art Garfunkel is. Yes. So. Sort of again, just picture a singing Bob Ross, and and, and you you've got it, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, you're not wrong. You're definitely not wrong with that. Yeah. That's just not, think of happy trees. Yeah, happy just trees, like, something like that. Anything else going on before we get this? Uh, uh, well, I'm, just started? very quickly. Yeah, I was just I was struck by this week. Did you did you follow the news about the the Twitter took over? Uh, First of all, Twitter's rebrand could could any could could it be going any more badly than it is? Yeah, we probably um, should talk about this. So, so the they got the logo from a from a guy, just a 
a guy that said, go, go take yeah. it. Right. Yeah. Okay. And then they took Twitter, the, the sign the off of the, the Twitter yeah. building, but they, they put the X on. That's right. But then didn't local ordinances say they couldn't do That's that? That's correct. They just okay. did it. They just did it. Right. But they didn't get a permit of for doing it and they just did it. So they had to take it down or they've been told to take it down. I don't know if they've actually taken it down yet. Um, but then the worst part was <clears throat> they took over. Of course, they were going to get take the X account, right? They were going to take the the you know the the at X uh, account, um, and they just like took it like from some person who's had it for you know, fifteen years, right? So they and then they just they just they didn't ask for it. it. They just they just took it. Come on, they, they well they had well to they didn't they they didn't like take it without telling him they were going to take it. They, they just said we're going to take. They, it. they literally went to him and said, "Yeah, we're taking this." And but what did like, he get? In, what did he get in return? He got a, a why? I, I think he got like a bag of swag. So, <laughs> like, gets a, you get you get what other letter do you want? Yeah, you want the P, you want the J, you want whatever. Well, what do you want? He he. I think he did. Um, I'm going to get this wrong, but basically, I think he took. He's got a temporary handle right now until he chooses one which is like literally x twitter five eight five eight seven 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 it's just like some weird long oh, long geez. ass yeah that's title. not nice at all it's just not i mean but it you know it's yet again a reminder that you don't you know nothing that you do on any of these social media platforms is yours you know it, it is you are you are at the mercy of That's these right. folks, and they do not owe you anything. They, they do they not absolutely owe you. don't. Your handle is not yours. Your handle, that your whatever name you picked, assuming that it's you know something other than your real name, like that handle. As much as you might like brand it or whatever, nope, it is it is not yours. They can take it any time they want. You know, I got to tell you, uh, as you know, my, my two kids are 21 and 20, and I had no idea how this would impact them. Like, I'm thinking, well, what do they care? And they're really upset about what Elon's doing and the rebrand and especially the, I mean, I don't know if you saw this. This was on a couple sites, but they took the new X logo and they put it up side by side with something like 10 or 12 other X logos. Yeah. Did you see this? Yeah. And the other 10 or 12 are all porn sites. Yes. That's right. <laughs> so, of course. Yes. Why wouldn't they be? That's they, right. That makes of perfect course. sense to that, do that, this. It makes it, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. And and uh, well, not last but not least is I guess they've now gotten they for a while so Apple Store didn't allow two care or one character uh app names. So up until I think it was Tuesday of this week, uh, it was still Twitter in the App Store. They have okay. now they've now, now they've now changed it and got spe uh, special dispensation from Apple to actually have that, which is causing all kinds of other uproar. Right? Well, it's like why does Twitter get you know a special dispensation um, to be able to do you know to do a one letter app uh, idea? It's like it's it, and by the way, if you go look, it's it's been pretty remarkable. If you go look at the reviews of the app over the mm -hmm. last two weeks, they're all one star reviews. They're all like one star. All what it's being flooded with one star reviews oh. about the about the rebrand. Is uh, it's just as, you know as well it should be. Yeah, as, it's just I, a well, case study. I mean, yeah. if you are if you're anybody on the brand marketing side, you're scratching your head right now because True. you don't realize. Like I was even was talking to the kids about this. Do you know when you look at a movie poster? 
every one of them has a hashtag in Twitter or just the Twitter logo oh, sure. on there. Yeah. How easy are they going? I mean, that that little that bird is everywhere. When you see that bird, you know exactly what that means. It's like I'm going to go there for the latest news. I'm going to go there to get. I, I've got something to share. I want to know what's going on. You always go to Twitter first. And now, do you, is X that way? The only thing that I see different. Or do you use TweetDeck or whatever it's called now? Have I do you not. Used? I do. So not. I've I've used TweetDeck for ten years. Whatever. Yeah. TweetDeck yeah. was bought out by Twitter. Now X. Yeah. yeah. It's called X Pro now. X. Oh my God. X Pro. That's, that's I. Yeah, I didn't know. I was going to go to Expo. That sounds get like my, porn site. Well, you know, I'm out of deodorant. I'm going to Expo. Yeah. To, I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, he says, no, I need, I need, I need new camping supplies. I'm going to Expo down. The, I don't know where do I. What, what is oh Expo? Well, the, I don't know what I think with with. And all Expro. the help documentation, by the way, this is for all my content strategists out there. All the help documentation, all the help pages on Twitter on X, is still Twitter. It's it's still all Twitter. Like it talks about tweets and when you're on Twitter and this is the way you do a tweet and this is you know all the sort of how tos and all that stuff, all that documentation that's complete with bluebirds and the whole. Anyway, it's just a mess. A, a just a mess. Is it a z- is it a z? Did we decide that's is it your z? Actually decided. Uh, Elon actually decided it was X. It was called X. You you X. You X. You X. So you don't z. You X'd. You X. You have X'd. You did X. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I, maybe we should just start the show. What, what, <laughs> but, but we will before we already sort of started the show. Yeah, but my question did. is, you know, let's just talk about what we discussed last week, where they don't own the trademark or anything well, around X. What yeah. what is going to happen here? Is there news? No, Have no, you no found I, don't I don't, I haven't seen anything. I don't think anybody's going to, I think they'll, they'll, I mean, there may be a lawsuit. I mean, I, I but I can't imagine that, that this is going to amount to much. They'll, I think they could successfully probably argue that, you know, what they're doing is, is unique enough in the world that, that it doesn't, doesn't infringe on Xbox or, you know, any of the other <laughs> X stuff. But He's just got think a lot about, of money to throw at it. So, but know. think about that. I mean, even the stuff that you and I have done when we've launched businesses or looked at things, we've been so careful to figure out, okay, what's the trademark and what's the usage and who's using it and how is it using it and we're going to have any problems legally. Well, right. Well, you just got Elon says, I don't care. Doesn't no. matter. Let's just do it. I mean, well, sure. I mean, I mean, you know, neither of us have $200 billion to throw at lawyers to make that happen, too, right? Yeah. Tesla's stock price has. It's uh, up it's 200 insane. plus percent this year. So he's he's feeling good. He's feeling like he can make any of these decisions oh, and, yeah. and walk on water. And and I saw the thing. Didn't he say that you have to use the X app now if you wanted to recharge your Tesla or something? There's some integration there. Oh, I did not see that. Yeah, there's something about that. that. And then there's a group of automakers, eight automakers that are trying to create a competing uh, electronic charging locations around the United States. So you yeah. just don't have Tesla out there. I don't, I don't have an electric car. I don't know these things, but yeah, it's just interesting. Yeah, it is. Whatever. Okay. It now, is. now we can start sort of, now start we can the start show. the show 19 minutes in. We can st- certainly start the show here and rants can, and raves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we get to our rants and raves section yeah. of the show. Anyway, we do have a, a fun set of articles to talk about news this week, as it were. It is the dog days of summer, really. So there's not a lot going on in terms of what's happening in the world, but there is stuff, right? There is stuff. We will talk a little bit about Meta. 
Uh, and how now, well, if you live in Canada, yeah, you're probably not seeing news in Facebook. Um, so Meta is now blocking the news in Canada. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about this new thing that's sort of like the most exciting movie release that nobody's really talking about, which is this movie Sound of Freedom. Is it great marketing that's causing this very sleeper hit to sort of take the box office by a storm? Or is there something really weird and wild going on underneath that? Uh, then we'll talk a little bit about AI and ask if it's starting its disillusionment phase already. Warning labels are coming for AI-oriented content, and I definitely have a take on that, as the world has basically got generative AI disillusionment. Really? Do we really at this point? And of course... ChatGPT is now scientifically proven to be becoming dumber. So uh, we'll uh, talk a little bit about all of that. And then, of course, we'll get to our rants and rave section uh, where Joe is going to talk about some new online game that he's very excited about. With his, <laughs> with his kids, I'm not really sure. He's got all kinds of time on it. Oh, it's a content now. marketing play here. I it see. absolutely is. It's amazing. I, and, and You're going to well, love it. Yeah. And stay tuned. If you if you think Joe doesn't have enough time on his hands now, he definitely has too much time on his hands. <laughs> no, now. but this is work. Yeah, yeah, this of is course. work. And uh, and then my rave, I'm going to rave a little bit about my friend Joe Pulitzi, who has just sold his company, and so I'll talk a little bit about that. Um, so, uh, wow. all right, let's get let's get this okay, show on the road, as it were, and talk about Meta. So this, this comes to us courtesy of TechCrunch. Uh, and the headline here, Meta starts blocking the news in Canada with its latest standoff with publishers. Canadians using Facebook and Instagram should expect to see some gaps in their feeds starting right now. The, with this week, Meta began blocking Canadian access to links and stories from news publishers. The company's response to a bill that would require the tech giant to pay outlets for the rights to distribute and profit from their content. Quote, as we've always said, the law is based on a fundamentally flawed premise, says Meta Policy Communications Director Andy Stone on <laughs> X. <laughs> Not Twitter, <laughs> but whatever. They can't, get, the, they, they can't get anybody this. to make this change anyway. And regrettably, the only way we can reasonably comply is to end news availability in Canada. In June, the Canadian Parliament passed the Online News Act, a law that forces tech platforms to negotiate with publishers in order to establish fair revenue sharing over their content. When those agreements don't come willingly, the law, like its Australian counterpart, allows for mandatory arbitration as a last resort, an outcome that isn't likely to look kindly on the tech half of things. Uh, what do you take with all of this? I mean, what's the, what's the real... I mean, is this, I mean, I have a take on this a little bit because we've just been doing some work with some media companies up in Toronto, but, um, yeah. uh, newspaper companies especially, but, uh, I'm, I'm curious to get your take on this. You know, what, well, do you think this is like a thing or is this just, or Facebook doesn't care? Well, at, at first it, if you, if it goes the way that Australia went, uh, Meta did a deal with, you know, as Australia, very upset, you know, whatever, uh, they come out with the act. Meta has the does the hard line, then they come together on some deal where Meta ends up paying the Australian news providers, and everything is fine. Right. So now you get the same thing happening. Canadian pass, Canada passes the act. Uh, Meta has says, "Oh, okay. Well, we, in order to be compliant with this act, we need to basically stop promoting all your links." Uh, they they took it a little bit further, I think. There, the, but what? It's a great negotiation tactic. Because I think that these Canadian news outlets, pro at this point, this is a really sad statement. They probably need Meta more than Meta needs them, which is, or I mean, they 
we had a chance as news providers 20 years ago. We lost it. We just we gave up all the content to everyone else to Google and Meta and they won. Yeah. You cannot compete with that. So are you going to play in that ballpark or not? Uh, you, they have to make the decision. But I guess my question is, is it Meta's responsibility now to subsidize news production, which is really what we're talking about here? Because because in a lot of cases, this is just a link. It's just, a, hey, I'm, I'm going to share a news, a news link to whatever. I mean, if it's yeah. there, if it's not, the users aren't going to necessarily know. It's just not going to be there. It's, well, who's going to get hurt? The traffic to the news organizations—they're not going to get it. I mean, I don't know. What do you what do you think about this whole thing? Well, the the interesting thing is, uh, <laughs> first of all, I, I'm not in. Uh, I know there was some dispute over this, but I, I and I don't live in Canada, so maybe our uh, friends north of the border can can confirm this. But as I understand it, the interesting thing here is is that. What can't they see? In other words, what are they blocking? Are they only blocking news from Canadian sources to Canadians? Or are they blocking all news? In other words, if I post a New York Times link, can Canadians see it? I thought it was just Canadian sources. I think it is too, which, to your point, is a hell of a negotiation tactic because it is, it is, a, it is a challenging thing for, you know, for uh, Canadian news organizations, especially the more the bigger, broader, more national news. Yeah. Which remember, Canada is and by the way, these companies are amazing. They do amazing work. Um, these these newspapers, they're really good, these newspapers in some cases. And some of them are, you know, some of them are like it's just, our, yeah, it's like know, the United States. Fox News. Well, so, the thing, but my point being is that there's much fewer of them. There's like not a lot of these companies, right? Like not like here in the States. Um, you just don't have that much. Um, and they're much, much smaller um, in, in terms of their size of their company, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So the, the key here is, is that a lot of Canadians might not, and I'm, I'm, I know I'm going a bit out on a limb here, but a lot of Canadians might not miss it. You know what I mean? It's like, in other words, if they start getting their news from New York Times, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, you know, uh, all of these other news organizations, um, and they can get, you know, the the thing that they'll miss probably is lo more local. News, that's the, the that's local what you're going to get. Big local news day. So yeah. it's a yeah. So it's a which, by the way, doesn't pay very well, right? That's the stuff that doesn't really pay that well. This you know the new where news organizations are really hurting these days is in hard news, is in journalism that uncovers political ideas and un uncovers scandal and uncovers local government and. That's where the news is really struggling to monetize its its biggest thing. So, I, I do think it's a it's a bit of a hardball play by by Meta here, um, and we'll see how long they can you know want to hold out for this. Uh, but I think I if I have to imagine they would just they would they would continue to play until Facebook makes a deal. But the question is, what does that deal look like? It's it's sad to say this. Meta and Google they built better mousetraps. They did leverage on on the news and that content for a lot of years, but now they don't yeah. need it anymore. So I mean, I'm, I've talked about this a million times. I remember the day that Google was nothing, and they walked into Penton offices desperate to work out a deal with Penton because Penton had all this content. 
That's right. Like, oh, we held this little company, and we, it might we might get found by some other people that don't know about machine design or or hydraulics and pneumatics or whatever the case is. Right. And now it it turned into this. Um, but I'm it's almost it almost feels like they're so big now. What did they just profit? They came out with a, a huge, huge, amazingly oh, profitable yeah. quarter. Yeah. They Facebook and Meta. Facebook crushed their last quarter. Yeah. Right. yeah are they, are they, yeah. are, is it their responsibility as a good tech citizen to, to subsidize, throw a hundred million dollars, which is like couch cushion mush, money to them, to the to Canadian news outlets, and then probably end up doing the same thing in the U.S. I well, that's know. the trick, right? That's the that becomes the trick because, because if they do it with Canada, they're going to have to work out a deal. Correct. Which I now guess the twenty with the right. California one that was it's sort of been talking talking about that's, that's been right. pushed off to later in twenty four. That's so right. we don't know what's going to happen there. Yep, that's right because the the U.S. when when and if this happens in the U.S., it is a much bigger deal. It is a, it is a, you know, that's the, that's the, you know, the prize, right? That's when it starts to sting a little, yeah. right? When, you know, cause Canada and Australia are small markets compared yeah. to the U S when it comes to, comes to this kind of stuff. And so it will, it will definitely be a, a stinger, you know, so what they don't yeah. want to do, what meta doesn't want to do is set a algorithmic monetary, you know, uh, idea where you can basically extrapolate how much, the u.s market should get if they do this yeah well australia and looking at this article australia get, gets 140 million dollars a year from google right. and meta like you said that's couch cushion money for them. so let's say that they're going to do something that's a really good case study for canada yep that's probably going to be similar if you do apples to apples which it pretty much is that's right the the whole deal for the united states is going to be much different but also those are u.s companies so it's also i mean We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll yeah. see where they go from there. But we'll yeah, I, I think, I think they just do that today. Hey, we want to support this. We'll go on and on and we'll, you know, meta and Google are saying, Oh, we'll be around a lot longer than you guys are anyway. So yeah, that's right. Here you go for now. It's just sad. Yeah. It's sad to say it, that. It is. It, it is really sad. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a painful part for the newspaper business generally, you know, the news business generally. It's just, you know, we don't, as a marketplace, we don't value that it that much. And it's just, it's, it's, you know, it's, it, you want it to be different. And, and as you and I have said, I don't know how many times on this show, it is the, it is a place ripe for disruption in content marketing. Yeah. You know, why, why private brands aren't jumping into this and subsidizing the news, especially local yeah. news and getting into this business from a marketing perspective, it's, I'll, I won't, I, I, I can't get it. Cause it's just, to me, it's such an easy, it's such an easy play to I'll, become I mean, the benefactor of the news in your local town. I've talked about this with Cleveland, Ohio. We've yeah. got a, a publication called the plain dealer. Yeah. Uh, publication been around a long time. Cleveland.com is the web sister site, if you will. And progressive insurance is headquartered here. Multi-billion dollar insurance company. Why would they, they not just subsidize? They have, yeah. they have their name on, on guard where the Cleveland guardians play progressive right. field. They spend money all over the place. Sherwin Williams is putting up a huge new building downtown. Yep. And they're sponsoring everything going on. They're making money. So why these companies can't come together and say, we believe in Cle we believe in this region. So we believe in it so much. We're going to be good citizens and, and we're going to, to buy these things and let them go. That's right. Uh, the, it's just, 
because it's the plain dealer is such a small organization. Sure. Uh, when it comes down to it, I mean, it would be literally the cost of a sustainability campaign, right? I mean, I mean, what kind of goodwill would that be? Uh, Wouldn't that be amazing? It, well, just, sustainability and, and environmental issues and diversity and all the things that these companies claim to want to support with money and their efforts in today's world that you know consumers really care about that stuff and mm-hmm. you just go it's staring you in the face like the, like buying the local newspaper or the county newspaper or even the the regional newspaper it just it it, it would it would you know like check 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 even if it's losing money it'd probably be a pretty decent tax deduction yeah <laughs> it really would you take, you take the differential right it's it yeah anyway get off on a rant yeah. So, so, anyways, that's our idea. All if right. any, uh, if if any big uh, tech companies or or companies in general are thinking about buying their local newspaper, would you let Robert and I know? We would love Please. to talk about it on this we, show and have we, you on yes. as one of our first guests ever to talk about this happening. How about that's that? Right. There you that. go. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's move on to our next story here, which is a really interesting one. Uh, this is a weird and wild story, and there's not getting a lot of coverage on this. Um. In fact, when you sent it over to me, I sort of went down the rabbit hole and started right? reading about this thing. And it was just like, this is, somebody's going to make a movie about the making of this movie. I mean, it's it's just, it's crazy. Okay, so the movie is called Sound of Freedom. Uh, and the first article we'll cover here, which is what you sent to me, which is yep. this, uh, the anti-Hollywood box office hit. Uh, which, if you read the article, basically talks about the marketing, as Marketing Brew might do, and says it's a story about a former federal agent on a mission to save a child from sex traffickers in Colombian jungles has made more money at the box office than Tom Cruise battling an omnipotent AI super being. With an estimated budget of $14.6 million and zero A-list talent, <laughs> no offense to Jim yeah, Caviezel. Yeah. No, no offense to Jim there. Yeah. It's zero A-list talent. Zero. Absolutely no talent in this absolutely film at all. no talent. Yeah. Sound of Freedom has raked in $149 million in the U.S. and Canada since its July 4th premiere, putting it ahead of Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, and not far behind the latest Indiana Jones movie, and the two Hollywood heavy hitters had budgets of 291 and $294 million, respectively. Wow. Why the resounding success, says Morning Brew? Well, an unconventional marketing strategy is fueling the sales. Lead actor, Jim Caviezel, Caviezel, I think it's Caviezel. Caviezel, I thought Caviezel, it was. Yeah, yeah. Appears on screen after the movie ends and urges viewers to, quote-unquote, pay it forward, buy tickets for others. More than 20% of opening day tickets were purchased in response to this method, bringing in $2.6 million. A decent critical reception also helped, though some effort, uh, experts have criticized the film for misrepresenting aspects of real-life human trafficking. That brings up... Uh, because the article then goes on to talk a little bit about this, but we're going to link to a Vanity Fair uh, article here. Yeah. There you go. That gets into a little bit more of the details of the wild ride that this film has gone through. I won't. You can go read the article yourself. It's definitely a deep dive here, um, and it's one of the better articles I think because I read a bunch of them in prep for the for this show. Um, that really talks about what ex- exactly is going on here. And basically, it opens up by saying 
The Sound of Freedom uh, is a solid independent action film that has made a surprising amount of money since its release on July 4th, and it's the moving quote-unquote true story. I'm putting those quotes in there, by the way. It's a moving true story, because you'll see why I did that in a minute, about a real American hero, a dangerous gateway into misinformation and conspiracy, and a gamble that's paid off beyond anybody's wildest expectations. For director Alejandro Monteverde, the answer is simple. Sound of Freedom was a calling, and he talked, basically the article then talks through how he made the movie. He made the movie years ago, basically got funding for it, made, looked and did this, you know, sort of found this story that he'd been hearing about these people who had gone and, and, and done these missions into other countries to get, you know, pull children out of sex trafficking rings, yeah. and then found this, there was a guy that was actually doing this, a guy by the name of Ballard, who was doing this basically rewrote the movie, shot the movie, made the movie, couldn't get distribution because of the acquisition of 21st Century, uh, uh, the studio, couldn't get distribution, then got distribution, and then basically put together this marketing plan. And then somehow QAnon and that whole community got a hold of it and started sort of putting similarities with this movie to sort of the conspiracy theories about how Tom Hanks and Oprah Winfrey and Pope Francis are basically uh, mining children for the uh, for the for some chemical that makes them young or something like that and then all those conspiracy theories and basically then that became sort of the favorite of that crowd and now has sort of gone viral the movie's gone viral a little bit because of this and now the director's sort of going, I, I just made a movie. <laughs> I don't know what to really do yeah. with all of this. And basically he's proud for the success, but it's sort of like this weird subculture that's driving this thing. It's just the weirdest story I've seen in a long time with regard to how you're marketing a movie or a media property or, you know, as a content creator. What do you, I mean, what do you make of all this? Well, so, so, I want to talk about the marketing of it because I think it's in, it's interesting the way that they market it with, with Jim Caviezel. We'll talk about mm -hmm. that in a second. But what, what really caught me by surprise, Robert, was uh, was my wife and I were down in Pinehurst and uh, my, uh, my wife's mother went to see this movie and it was number one or number two at the box office at that time. So this right. is a, a month ago. And I'd never heard of it. And I'm very up on movies. Yeah, for sure. And I'm like, what? And I have no idea what this is. I thought she lost it. I'm like, there's no. And I'm going, I'm like, oh, my God. It's like in all the movie theaters, whatever. So so whatever, uh, wherever news I'm getting, I'm only getting it from certain sources. And I'm not getting it from wherever this movie came from. The marketing of it. Was, which is hasn't been done, at least I haven't seen any movies do this, is where Jim Caviezel comes on at the closing credits after this is done. And instead of saying, hey, this is a true story, you need to donate to this effort to save these kids from child trafficking. Sure. No, yeah. comes on and says, pay it forward, buy a couple tickets for friends so they can know more about this really important effort. Now, the challenge, so that that's really interesting how that that worked and got a lot of early people involved in it so you got a lot of the same people going to it because it's like hey certain people want to see it their friends go to see it that's amazing so from a marketing standpoint i thought that that was interesting the challenge yeah. is is that they're selling it as a true story 
Yeah. And yeah. it's not nobody's qualified no. this as an even That's Tim right. Ballard, who the, it's based on. Uh, you can't get any information that these things actually happened. That's right. Because he left the organization that he was. And this has all happened outside of the directors. Right. Uh, the writer exactly you know, right. took the head of fiction, made it into the fiction, into sort of. A, a, a real life story, fictionalized st- real story. I don't know how you would call that, but I, I, I think it's interesting that they use it as a marketing tactic and also that they really just focused on a particular audience area. So whatever marketing that they well, were doing, whatever yeah. shows that they were on, they were like, look, we don't need to go out to everybody. That's right. We just need, and from a content marketing standpoint, I think it's brilliant. And it's like, we're just focusing on this group of people and yeah. it ends up being right wing conservatives. So there's this movie right now is at, um, I think, almost $200 million in domestic revenue. And I would say 90% of that is from this group of people that yeah. watches the Fox News of the world, let's say. Sure. I mean, they've um, launched so it. it on, really I, think, well. the, I think I was reading in the article that they launched it or basically it was, you know, the, the shows that they were promoting it on were like Glenn Beck, uh, Fox. Yeah. Um, Trump is doing a screening uh, at Mar-a-Lago. Uh, you know, there's that. That's sort of they've they've found sort of their their niche. They found a niche audience for this thing, and it's it's a fascinating marketing case study. You know, because you look at the marketing budgets. You know, typically in Hollywood, if you look at the budget of a movie, and if they say it's a hundred million dollars, they've spent that again in marketing, right? They've 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 basically you double. Whatever whatever number you see in production cost is because they usually spend that again in in marketing and advertising for a movie, and th- I'm sure they haven't doubled. I'm sure they haven't spent fourteen million dollars, and that was the production yeah. cost of the movie. I'm sure they didn't spend fourteen million dollars on marketing. It's probably something much 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 less than that. And then to have it go ten x on you know basically go viral uh, in today's world, right where new movies are. It, it's a hugely competitive market, especially this summer, and also in a market where nobody's going to the movie theater anymore. It's just a remarkable. It's a remarkable story, really. But the other thing we just talked about the importance of first party data. I mean, you don't you a movie does not know who sees their movie for the most part because that's right. Yep. AMC gets that information. AMC knows they either share with that if you pay for it or not. That's but right. they own that information just like Amazon owns the information if they sell your book. Right. You don't get that. So the fact that they've got a way at the end of this in order to get that data is brilliant. And it's just interesting. It's just a referral. It's a basic referral program. We use it all the time. Yeah. With newsletters and videos. And but I haven't seen it done for a movie. So it's just interesting from that. That's interesting. I hadn't even thought about that. But basically what you're saying is, is that the the marketing tactic of having Jim Caviezel at the end come on and say come and donate or come and buy a come. ticket is basically them saying you know hey there's your call to action you know go to this landing page put in your information yeah. get tickets uh, and buy more tickets for your friends which then builds a newsletter list and it's sort of you know a a content marketing platform for whatever they want to do with it next and so so let me give you another example that's not a not a right wing example. So yeah, you know Project yeah. Greenlight, right? Sure, they had all the yeah. what was the one movie they did Love Spotlight, that. right? They did Spotlight with the Boston uh, Boston Globe yeah, when they came right. out and they yeah. they 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 found the the Catholic priest pedophile case and they did the whole thing. Let's say that uh, Michael Keaton comes out at the end and says this is critically important, pay it forward. 
give us your email address, whatever. You'd have all kinds of people doing that. You get the first party database. You could remarket to that. So if you have somebody funding this initiative, yeah. you get that data. I think That's that right. from that standpoint, it's it's brilliant. And it's one way around just being beholden to. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know who went to it. <laughs> right. We think it's these right. people. Yeah, exactly. So anyways, it's bro- yeah. And then the whole political mess uh, is, a, yeah. is a total other thing that I, all, I don't even know how to comment yeah. on. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm not sure I do either, um, but it's it, it it is fascinating nonetheless. It's it it is worth the read, folks. I just just if you're if if you want to go down a wild rabbit hole of understanding what's going on here, it's 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 absolutely a, and, a riveting and, read. And I got to tell you, and here's the th- so here's I got people texting me saying, "Oh my God, you got to go see this movie. This is a this is an American tragedy." They they are they take this movie I know as this carte blanche is, yeah. true. Yeah. So yeah. well this it is, is. Yeah. and I think Jim Caviezel coming out at the end and saying this is so important. Well it adds he another has his level. Own issues, right? I well mean, he Caviezel, has his own issues. Yeah, he's a yeah. he's he's there's some there's some controversies that he's been sure a part of that's so. a good that's a nice way to put it. And maybe we should just <laughs> move on from there. Read the you know what folks? Read the Vanity Fair story. I think it's Read a very it. fair story. Covers both sides That's about right. what about what happened, how the movie came about, and more than anything else, I think we can learn that you know we there's different ways to market a thing. That's right. And, and they've learned it this movie. Come to your so own you conclusions. Yeah. All right. Last story we're going to cover quickly here is about AI. And speaking of disillusionment or misinformation or all those kinds of things. We've got you know just a conversation to really have about where the state of AI is right now. I mean, the first thing that we'll cover here is from Forbes, uh, which I just found interesting, um, and uh, would normally be a rant-worthy thing, but but this is uh, this is what's coming up, and it says uh, we live in a world filled with warning labels. Such alerts are already making their way to social media, and this week it was reported that Meta-owned Instagram could soon be adding a notice that would identify when artificial intelligence has played a role in creating content for the platform. This was reportedly first discovered by app researcher Alessandro Paluzzi. Ah, any relation there, my friend? I know. I know it's not. I I, I know of this name, but yeah. no, I I don't. I'm under the assumption that if you go six degrees back, like probably find Kevin yeah. Bacon, you will right. find that we are cousins. Alessandro Pulizzi. Uh, <laughs> okay, who shared a screenshot of a page in an Instagram app that noted the creator or meta said that this content was created or edited by AI. As TheVerge.com recorded, uh, this discovery of the AI warning label comes shortly after Meta, along with other major AI players, including Google, Microsoft, and OpenAI, have made commitments to the White House around the responsible development of AI. These labels could be crucial, as so much content could be generated by AI. We'll combine that story uh, with the, another one, which is basically from Inma, which we've covered. You know their, that organization before the yeah. International News and Media Association, really interesting organization. Who they write an article basically saying the generative AI hype using the Gartner hype cycle here, uh, and they're saying that the media industry has witnessed the transformative potential of artificial intelligence in recent months uh, as the initial excitement begins to wane. Has it really? Uh, we yeah, find ourselves a, moving know. toward the disillusionment phase of the AI hype cycle, and they use the. Um, although they don't really, uh, they don't really. It, it's interesting. They don't credit Gartner here, but this is definitely a Gartner hype cycle. Um, 
Well, they, they they link to the they they, they link to the Wikipedia page for the Gartner hype cycle, which is a total in your face. Uh, I guess. Why yeah. would you do that? I don't know. Why would you it's link like, to the Gartner hype cycle? Right. I, it's like yeah, no, we're right. gonna link to Wikipedia. Yeah, it's a more it, valuable basically, source. and they're saying that basically AI, generative AI, now is in the trough of what is considered to be the trough of disillusionment. And I would argue they don't really understand what the trough of disillusionment really means. Um, but then, lastly, and maybe most interestingly, is an article from Futurism.com. Although there are a number of media outlets actually reporting on this, which says that Stanford scientists have now found that yes, indeed, you are not imagining things. ChatGPT is getting stupider. I love that headline um, for for its uh, funny uh, sort of meta nature there. Regardless of what its execs claim, researchers are now saying that yes, OpenAI's GPT large language model is appearing to get dumber. In a new yet-to-be peer-reviewed study, researchers out of Stanford and Berkeley found that over a period of a few months, both 3.5 and 4 significantly changed their behavior with the accuracy of their responses appearing to go down, validating user anecdotes about the parent degradation of the latest versions of the software in months since their release. So, what do you make of all this? I mean, we just talked last week about Macon, uh, Paul Reitzer's uh, wonderful event and the AI and the sort of hype around yeah. AI. And, but we also sort of, it, it, you know, it feels like there's some fatigue out there, but it doesn't feel like, I don't think that there's the hype is anywhere. No, I, I think we're right. We're still way at the top here. Yeah. There, there's no trough of disillusionment anytime soon, in my opinion, right. because we're and especially we're going to get new version and new version. You're going to if you've got Claude V2, V3, That's other right. chat GPT-8, yeah. you're going to keep kind of and and these things are going to get smarter and smarter. And that's I've I've heard some people talk about the the you know, the Stanford stupider article. I've heard some of that. Uh, and, and I think that that. That's that's not going to happen in the next version and version and version where it's going to get a thousand times smarter than than any human being that's ever lived. That's right. Um, which is which is scary in and of itself. The interesting thing about the whole made by AI thing, I don't know what to do about it because. Oh, let's I do. just take it. Oh, I, I've got a well, strong take on that. But go ahead. Well, yeah. most every piece of content out there has some integration with with something artificially intelligent that's right i'll give you i'm writing emails i'm writing emails and i often use the the ai generator for ending the sentence that's right so if i'm right and here's the thing and i don't even know if this is but i've been trying to figure out copyright for this stuff so let's say i'm writing in microsoft word yeah and i'm doing the whole thing and at and at some point i let the ai recommender finish the sentence boom Soon as I do that, theoretically, I lose copyright on the whole thing. Right. Because there is an AI tool involved in this. And that was like a, I, I heard, and I don't know this for, I'm not a lawyer, but I heard in 2018 there was a case that talks about this. And if you have one of these AI tools that you run your copy through and it changes it in some way, since it's using other people's sources for that, you will lose copyright. So on the, that's on everything. The elements, you technically lose copyright on the parts, and and it, and a better way, maybe a more accurate way of saying it is that you don't necessarily lose copyright, although you technically do lose copyright. But basically, anything that the AI creates is ostensibly open source. Open source. Yes. You know what I mean? Exactly. It, it, it becomes open source. Thank you. you. That's a better copy. way. To it's say not it. like you lose it to someone else. It's basically it's not copyrightable, right? It's it it becomes available and right. owned by everybody, and typically. 
it would be the piece, it would be, as the Copyright Office has said, it would basically be that part of the work that is written by AI would be open source. So literally, if you took it that to the nth degree, you could have a sentence that's half owned by you and half open source, right? And so, which is ridiculous at its face in the reality of the world. Um, but that's yeah. kind of where we are at the moment. It's very, very cloudy and it's very unclear as to what's all going to happen there. My problem with it is exactly just what you said, which is you're, it's inevitable, right? This is gravity. <laughs> you know, this is, that's it right. is everywhere. It is going to be anywhere and everywhere. In it's in any do. piece of software you that's use right. from a marketing so, standpoint, AI tools will be generated inside right. of it. So you might as well label everything. Right. And, and so it, that's the, the, you know, and I know that's a bit of a cynical way to look at it, but, but, but it is ultimately, you know, cause what they're thinking is, oh, it's going to be the Dolly two image, or it's going to be this other thing, or it's going to be the completely chat GPT generated blog post that is going to be, you know, or the social post that's going to be, you know, it's going to have an AI detector on it. And it's going to say, there's an 89% chance that this is AI driven, which I go back to, we talked about it on this show, I go back to the fascinating thing that I, that I looked at and read about and researched a little bit was the work that was going on at Adobe and Microsoft, I believe, were the two lead companies doing this, which is going the exact opposite way, right? Basically saying what you would label, what you would have a certification around is human-generated content. So basically, yep. you would assume that everything has an AI-associated uh, element to it, unless it has this certification watermark or, or whatever it is, then you could sort of depend that it's actually human-created stuff. And I think, that's a, I think that's the more fascinating way to approach this, uh, where we start certifying human-created content. And then the other thing, when I start thinking about it, is all of this disillusionment and where we are, you know, I, I would absolutely agree that we're still at the peak of the, you know, what, what, what Gartner would call in their hype cycle, the sort of expected, uh, you know, the inflated expectations. And we're still way there. We're still way in the this zone of, we've got a long way to go before we get to the trough of disillusionment. Yeah. Um, even if we think ChatGPT is getting dumber, the, the, the articles that I'm seeing, especially coming out of Macon and what I'm seeing now is that no, 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 Basically, what we're seeing is the very surface level here. There's stuff behind the, so behind the scenes that is just it's it's big and scary and interesting, uh, fascinating and in depth. So it, there's a long way to run on this thing. Well, we're so early. Yeah. And if you're in marketing content, this you have to you have to learn this stuff or you're going to fall behind the curve. You absolutely need to know this. I think it's the most important thing. Of course, and I and I have trouble saying that because I'm always about, you know, I want, I want to tell the great stories. I want to focus on the right audience. But, well, but it is, it is, I mean, it is about that, right, though? It is about telling the great stories. It is about, you know, the funny thing to me is, is that what we're what we what we what we're conflating now with learning how AI works in our in our creative process is we're hyper focused right now on how to work the interface of you know ChatGPT, right? So, quote unquote, getting good at AI means getting good at prompts, getting good at you know looking at AI and in integrating it into your workflow. When actually, it's a little bit of the opposite, right? It's figuring out 
getting good at AI means figuring out where AI can be helpful for you. Yeah. It's not about just having it replace things that you're already doing. It's saying, how do I, as a storyteller, really avail myself of more time and more bandwidth you know, to accelerate my brain to get to the goal that I want, which is to create something amazing and engaging and, and wonderful. There's a video that's going around social media right now that, uh, you know, this is Steve Jobs talking um, basically, I don't know, 50 years ago. You know, he's, it's still thick hippie beard, Steve Jobs guy. Um, and he's talking about tools. And he's, he's referencing tools, but it might as well be talking about AI. And what he says is, you know, he talks about this study where they looked at the efficiency of humans versus animals. And basically they say, okay, the most efficient animal from getting from A to B is a condor, right? It uses the least amount of energy and it basically is, you know, and humans fall in the bottom 30% of that from walking, you know. So we're not, we're in the middle of the pack when it comes to animals in terms of efficiency of moving from A to B. He said, but then you give the human a bicycle and we jump right up to number one. He said, so what humans are really good at are developing tools that accelerate our own human capabilities and give us the ability to do things that we've never been able to do for more mm -hmm. efficiently and at scale. That's how we have to start thinking about AI in a way that how do we amplify our own skills and our own ideas instead of thinking, well, what are all the things that it can do that I can't? Right. And so it's the wrong question. It's, it's what can mm -hmm. I do with this thing that I couldn't before? Did you, did you listen to Prof G's la launching his AI bot? Have you heard I this? Did not. I did not. I haven't listened to that yet. Which is interesting. So, so here's a, here's the thing. It's just an example. So Scott Galloway wants to get back to all of his listeners and readers and whatever, but can't do it because he's one person. You can't get back to a thousand people every day. So what do yeah. you do? He takes all of his content, his information on how he thinks he puts it into the database and they create a chat bot. And then with his, has his voice can duplicate that and can get back to and answer every question from Scott Galloway because it's his repository of how he, he thinks it just, and I'm like, wow, that happened fast. Yeah. And, and, and I don't and know if that's right or wrong, but I'm just saying like, that's a thing. Uh, you that's know what? It, it, it skeeves me out and it, and it skeeves me out for one reason, which is even if I did that, I wouldn't tell the world that I'm doing that, right? I mean, and I wouldn't do it. I mean, I, I think- But I think, but, but people are okay. I mean, people are okay with it. There's that one woman on Instagram that did that and told people that she was going to do it. And she made like $70,000 in a day because people wanted to talk to her that wasn't her. Anyways. Yeah. That's See, a, I that's think- a different I podcast. Think I've been, yeah, right. I've been, I've been, the, the from the reading I've been doing and, and, and this, you know, I, I, I feel like- Personal and particularly interpersonal relationships between people are going to become, you know, as we start valuing physical presence more, as we yeah. start valuing interpersonal relationships more, you know, re re with regard to our relationship with machines and, and bots, I just feel like that's going to be the premium. It's not going to be scale. This, the, the, the premium that we're going to, the scarcity that we're going to create in our lives is going to be how much of me do you get? And, 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 and giving me more me by automating it and, and creating a bot because of it, yeah. sure, it might be accurate. It, it, it might actually, but 
where does the emotional connection come through, right? You know, if I know that I'm dealing with the Galloway bot, I don't have his mind presence, right? I don't get, I don't get a, I don't get a spot in his brain and in his heart for 30 seconds or a minute or five minutes or however long our chat is. What I get is a record in his database that we had a chat. And, and that to me is that there's something missing from that and from the human element. And I just think it's not, I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to be terribly productive. I, I don't disagree with you, yeah. but it's here. Oh no, here, I, it's going to happen. I, I'm and, not. I'm not denying it's going to happen. And and here and here we go. Yeah, yeah, I'm. I and it's funny that's. And you talk about the where we're at in the cycle. Like we're we're up on it because we know and we're friends with Paul and we go to Macon and we you know we've been yeah. talking about AI content for a long time. But most people outside of hearing about ChatGPT, they don't have a clue what what's going on, what's coming, and how it's that's going true. to affect our lives. So. That's true. So good for us. Good for good us. For all you people good listening. Good for us. Good for us. <laughs> Absolutely. And you always know that if you come to this old marketing, it's you got two human chuckleheads. You're gonna get us. You. You're gonna get nothing but us. You're gonna Ain't get no and we are sorry about that. There's no there's no Tom L L M, that is for sure. That is oh not my god. Yes, exactly. All right. Um, yeah. we, it is now time for our rants and raves. Let's get to that before we end our show. And this is where we go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel like we've got three indictments under our belt or something that makes us feel like we don't. Um, and so do you want to go first? Well, b- before, um, just to mention, because this yeah. is normally when you mention, like, go to thisoldmarketing.com. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. the one thing I – our YouTube channel is starting to pick up. I, it's, it is. I'm surprised. It's This Old Marketing. We have our own YouTube channel. I think the last seven or eight episodes, we've been doing video. We've been using StreamYard to do it. We're getting, Hopefully, we're getting a little bit better at it. Tens uh, of people. Tens of people. Are- <laughs> but we, we stream – on you and I both stream uh, on right. Friday mornings on our own yeah. LinkedIn sites. Yeah. And uh, it's starting to get some traction. So oh, would you go to go to YouTube and subscribe? Some people are actually commenting. Uh, we would love to to get your comments that way, or or as as we we get uh, voicemails, you can go to thisoldmarketing.com and get put your um, voicemail down. We'll focus it on the show. I'm doing your whole part. This yeah, is yeah. your whole no, no, section. Great. I'm doing I love for it. you. No, I love it. I love it. I was I was <laughs> I was cutting that out for time, but I love that you did it. I love that you actually. No, did this it. is too I'm actually important. Going to start a TikTok channel too. So I've I've, I've actually got. I, 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 I will. I will. Up. I'm going to buy a new phone so that I can go to TikTok. I can. I can start having my TikTok account. I have some uh, with somebody stuff. else's name. I got a fun. And thing I will planned. go watch yeah. your. I got a fun thing planned. I okay. Got a, I got a fun okay. thing. All right, rants and rapes. Okay. Yeah. You want to go first, or shall I? Go first? Sure. I'll, I'll go first. So this is. <laughs> I want to show you a picture of this. So this is. Uh, right. So you can see. So this is the Gabe that my youngest and I. He he got me in on this one. It's called Immaculate Grid, and it's powered by baseball reference. So uh, my youngest works for the Cleveland Guardians now and getting really into baseball. And show me, and this is like Wordle for baseball. Oh, so basically, in okay. this example, this is the one I played today. So I only got half right. But basically, you'll see, okay, the intersection of San Francisco and Cleveland Guardians. Can you name a baseball player that's played on both? So I named Jeff Kent, got that. So, well, 6% of people named Jeff Kent. And then go on and on and on. But okay. the whole point is, doesn't matter to the game. You get these fun things, and every day they do this. 
Do you get a higher but, score if you get sort of a a more obscure player? That's right. You get yeah. you get a rarity score. Yeah, like if okay. I go in here and show summary, I've got my whatever. I don't know what these things mean. This is like the first day I've really played it. But it we but I've been sort of playing it through my son and going through the <laughs> whole thing, and it'll tell you. And you really get into oh, I didn't know 172 players played for Cleveland and San Francisco. Yeah. I didn't know there were six rookies of the year that were on the San Francisco Giants. You know, you have to name one. So it's really interesting. Um, you know, we did it in the car. We were we were driving, had some drive time, and he was talking to me about this. And I'm like, oh my God, this is such an amazing content marketing initiative. They have this for baseball, men's basketball, football, hockey. Like I would imagine if you got on the football one, you would get totally into it. I might, um, I might try this. Yeah. yeah. So I just thought it was interesting. This is pure content marketing. They are driving so much tra- two ways. They're driving traffic back to their site. They're an advertising driven site. So they're getting more people to look at the ads. And then they have these statistical $8 a month special access to stats. You don't get from baseball reference that for go. subscription deals. And I'm like, this is brilliant the yeah, way that, that they do brilliant. this. And they're just taking the data they already have putting it together sure and making a new new fun game out of it that and is it's that just totally it's, fun it's and like by the How way much? this is this is baseball reference but if it was major league baseball i could see major league baseball doing it to get kids oh, more totally. involved in this because i guess this is what they know, should be doing well my exactly son was yeah my doing. son they do this and then they share their scores their rarity scores with their friends I mean, well, how cool would it be for major base, major league baseball to do this or the NFL to do this? And then, you know, what's missing, right? You know, what's missing from this, I'll bet you was in the original business plan for this. What's that? Is that as you assemble your little card there for, with your rarity scores, you make an NFT out of that. I'm sure that's what the, I'm I'll, sure I'll that was what was missing. <laughs> yeah. Actually. I, I mean, from looking at this, I would say, why doesn't major league baseball Buy, buy it buy a baseball sure. reference they've just like the new york, new york times, times bought wordle. wordle yeah exactly. same same type of thing but anyways yeah i just thought that was interesting and a great content marketing fantastic. example so all right fantastic well i have a rave and it's about you um i, I just want to you know so i just want to throw a shout out because as i've watched you assemble talent uh including and i by the way i would put pam right up there alongside you because the two of you if you have one amazing talent uh beyond all the other things that you're both talented at it is to assemble people around you that are inspired that are talented that are energetic and that will go the extra mile for building the thing that you have the vision for building and it's just been amazing to watch over the last 15 years that you and i have known each other um, and so what I wanted to say is, is, is that first of all, congratulations again. Um, it's kind of annoying to be honest, um, how good you are at this, uh, and to watch you and Pam thrive with both the ability to raise such beautiful kids, have a family, have a life, actually enjoy your life, but also build three amazing, successful businesses that have, you know, exponentially increased in value over time and done so consistently over a 20-year period is just nothing short of remarkable. And so I think I, I wanted to just make it sure that that got out on the record because it's just truly an amazing thing. It's an inspiration uh, for us all. 
And quite honestly, it's something that so few people actually do. And when they do, usually what is celebrated is the hustle, the hacking, the ability to, you know, jumpstart this by, you know, staying up, you know, 24 hours and working your, you know, the whole sort of hustle culture thing to take three startups to successful fruition. And I just know for a fact that you didn't do that. You, you and your family have not done that. It's not that you haven't worked hard. And it's not that you haven't stayed up late, and it's not that you didn't eat ramen at some point for <laughs> meals, but it's that you have been able to successfully balance what it is to live well and work well to the success that you've had. And so I just wanted to, to, to rave about that because I think it's an important thing to note as you come off yet another successful adventure. Well, you're, you're way, way too kind to me, but, but thank you so much for that. Um, and the- you owe me money. Basically, uh, I owe you. <laughs> I owe you a lot of money. Um, but with 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 content, Mark, the the one thing that you said that is really true is is the people. Yeah, and the, the this, teams that this, you. Yeah, this latest one that ha- happened, it happened because of of Pam and Laura and Mark and Ann yep. and Dave and the yep. entire team to make the tilt and CX and Kelly uh, and put that whole thing together and CMI became CMI because of you and Kathy and Peter and Joe and the entire team there. So that that's the most exciting thing to me about yeah. everything that I've personally been involved in are back to your other point, the personal relationships, yep. the friendships. You and I are friends with all these people. They're all wonderful people. And the fact that we got them together, you know, that's all. That's all I could ask for. That's yeah. all you could ask for, right? It's at the end of the day. What are we? We're we're made of what our relationships have been over the last so many years. Yeah. And so if the, if these little things get us to that point, then great. But thank you, yeah. thank you very much for hundred percent that hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to seventy years ago. I think it was Peter Drucker defined a business, and he said it's a social group that co- that you know that connects. And he said, but it's a social group that differs from other social groups in one particular way, which is that it creates customers. And that's how he defined a business. And I think one of the things that gets lost in this, you know, I mean, I've been reading articles now about, ooh, the truly AI, it'll be fully AI, like no people, it'll be an automated business that sort of launches and creates. And I just don't think, I don't think that's true in any sense of the word, because I think what makes a business successful is that is the social group part of it, the interpersonal part of it, and I think that's something that has to be made with humans. And I, 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 I you know, I may be proven wrong, and if I'm proven wrong, I'll be sad. But that, I think that's truly, uh, truly the heart of it. No, I love that definition. That's yep. super important. All right. Yep. All right. So what do you got going? What do you, well, you got going on this week? You know, I'm back to work. Um, uh, I am actually going to go see Barbie tomorrow night. Uh, oh, so, I want to go see it. Yeah. Now. So we're going to go it, see that. Have you seen the numbers? The numbers it's, are so consistent. Insane. They're doing yeah. like 15 million dollars a day. Yeah. It's just they're printing money with that thing. It's just amazing. Oh my so God. yeah, I'm going to go see that. Uh, but this back to work. We're we're working on deliverables. Working on a few things. I'm working on nose to the grindstone on classes get and starting to get ready for uh content marketing world so yep. just starting to get ready for that so yeah, yeah we're, that's we're what, what, you, what about you monday is is the orange effect foundation golf for autism so nice. we we will be uh we've got an am and a pm shotgun is this going to be our best year ever which is unbelievable i'm so thankful for all the support we have something like 72 golfers in the morning and 96 in the afternoon. We've never had that many golfers before. We've had more sponsors this year than ever before. So people are so giving. 
Um, and, and of course, OEF is a wonderful, wonderful cause as you've given too many times. Thank you so much. We've oh, got, I will again, I'm sure we've got over 350 children out on, on grants in, in 35 States to help them with their speech therapy or speech technology needs. And it's just a nice, again, <laughs> a wonderful group of people that yeah. come together for an amazing cause. And I'm glad to be a part of it. So I will go, I'm golfing in the morning and then in the afternoon I'm selling tickets or doing whatever Pam needs me to do, or the board needs <laughs> right. me to do to, to raise more money. But I'm looking forward to, to really hopefully good weather at Elyria country club and, and should be fun. Nice. So, Very nice. Right. And hopefully you all will have a lovely week as well. Hope you go see Barbie. Hope you get outside into the beautiful summertime. It is those dog days of summer. It's hot. But until we see you next week, well, just remember, everybody, it's your story. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing. 